1: When I saw that, uh, Mark had asked me to come and share about the ghost. I did have pictures of Casper the Ghost and and, uh, sheets floating around the place. But as you've heard over the last few weeks, and if you haven't, that the whole idea is to get rid of the weird and to turn it into wired. In other words, we have made it sort of a weird thing. It's sort of like this this supernatural has turned into some sort of science fiction rather than it being something that is actually about something that is super, that's put on your natural. And the whole idea that we want to be sharing, and you've heard it over again and again over the last few weeks, is that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. And Jesus had to go for this person to come. And this person actually wants a relationship with you and wants a partnership with you in every day. So how does that happen? Have you ever had a job which you've been given that's sort of like bigger than you? Like, my goodness, how am I going to do this? I, back in 19, long time ago now, late 80s I think it was, I was offered this job to come on the teaching team, or if you like, it was the education, life schools education team of Perth City Mission, which used to be Jesus people. And I, I went in there and I went, great, I'm on this team. I started up the first day, I found out the team consisted of one, me. And not only that, I was given all this material and said, Steve, come up with a series of seminars on life skills. The first one is Peer group pressure. Whoa. So I've got a list of material. I'm writing it. This was before the days of PowerPoint. So all we had was the overhead projectors. And, and I was um, putting this seminar together. And my boss, who actually was supposedly a friend, said, Steve, next week we've got our first gig. We're on. I said, cool, we're going to go together. And it's in a particular school that I won't tell you where it is, but it didn't have a great reputation. And so I said, not a problem, we'll go, I'll come with you, it's fantastic. Well, the day before, he said, Steve, I forgot to tell you, you're going on your own. I said, oh, okay, in a classroom, 30 students, year eight. Mm, yeah, that'll be all right. So I get to the school, I turn up, I park the car, I get out, I go to the, the front office, I say, hi, I'm Steve Hall, Percy Division, I'm here to speak to the students. Oh, the principal comes out. Hi, welcome. I thought, that's strange. The principal welcomed me. Come with me. And we're walking. And I said, uh, oh, yeah, which classroom? He said, oh, no, it's not the classroom. It's the gym. Gym's a big A, right? And I go, hi. He said, yeah, yeah. We thought that rather than just have the year eights class, we'd do the whole year group. Right. I walked in. Three hundred students. Year eight, year nine, scary, they're scary, there's a demon at year nine, and year ten, right? And I had them 50 minutes solo, come on, do a seminar on that, on peer group pressure. Let me tell you, my butterflies turned into bats, which turned into dinosaurs, all in one go. It was scary. Have you ever been put in a position where you've gone, I don't know I could do this? Imagine being the disciples, right? The disciples These are Jesus' mates following him for three years. They've watched him do some crazy things, right? Cast out a demon, raise people from the dead, feed a whole village with a lunchbox. He did the whole works and he said things like this to his disciples. Greater things than me, are you going to do? Right. And by the way, when you get bit by a snake, you're probably not going to die. Right. Right. So we're going to put our hands in snake buckets. Good. Um, and by the way, what's going to happen is you're going to cast out demons. You're going to heal the sick. And you're not just going to do it in Jerusalem. You're going to do it the whole world. Right, Jesus. No wonder they panicked when he died, because they're going. He's gone. We're on. Oh no, what do we do? They had a big job to do. No wonder they scattered. I'd scatter too. They took off. He came back to life. Woohoo! He's back again. Good Jesus. What are you going to do now? He said, oh, I'm taking off. It's all yours, baby. You got it. These guys were left with a big job. What about you? Have you read what you're supposed to be doing? How are you going with the whole, don't just forgive once, but seven times 70 gig? How, how, how are you going with, hey, if someone asks you for, for something, give them the whole lot. How are you going? How are you going with, with love your enemies? How's that doing? Right? It's like, God, we've got a whole list of jobs to do. And I wonder how you're doing with it. You see, there's a thing called procrastination, and it's our overburdened procrastination. When the job gets too hard, what do we do? We put it to one side. We justify it. We tell stories about why we can't do it, and we just cruise in life. But you know what? You and I have been given a major job description, and he's given us something so that we can do it. I, a few years ago, my story was I'd given my life to Jesus about the age of 19. And again, a good friend of mine who was the same good friend that gave me the job at Perth City Mission, good friend. And he, we were, I gave my life to Jesus on the back of a Holden Tirana um, a long time ago. And I had this amazing encounter with Jesus. He was a pastor. He was actually um, a single guy, so we batched together in the manse. And he said, Steve, would you do the Bible study for the young boys? I said, yeah, not a problem. So I did the Bible study. But as I'm doing this Bible study, I went, I'm doing it, and I'm being a good Christian, I think. I'm trying hard, really trying hard. Giving up the smoking and drinking was hard, but I was trying hard, and I was doing a Bible study. And I said to him one day in the kitchen, I said, mate, there's got to be more. I I don't know. I'm I'm trying really hard, but I'm going to keep failing and there's got to be more. He said, Steve, I want you to read the book of Acts. That's the book just after the Gospels. It's all the, some people say it's the Acts of the the early church. Some say it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Some say it's the Acts of whatever Acts you want. So I read the Acts, right? I read right from the beginning to the end. That was a big feat. And I, I said to him, "Mate, can I sit down and have a chat to you about this?" And he said, "Yeah, no worry. So we sat around the kitchen table. Said, "I'm reading stuff here. These guys, they believe, but they had this thing called the Holy Spirit came on them. And silver and gold, I have, don't have." Is one guy said, "But what I do have, I'll give to you." But I don't have what he has. I want that. He said, "Well, let me tell you more about it," which we did. Then he said, "Would you like me to pray for you?" I said. Sure, I want this. So he prayed for me. So we did the whole thing, standing up, hands on, all that sort of stuff. He prayed, nice prayer, prayed in funny language. I went, that's cool. And then he finished. Amen. Nothing happened. Nothing. Nothing. I didn't feel funny. I didn't lose my hair. That happened later. Nothing happened. So I said, what says so that it he goes look Steve the thing is you need to understand he's a person and he you've asked him to relate to you so therefore everybody's different because he's not a cookie cutter it's not a plug and play you see some people suddenly get tongues and they start speaking in strange language others don't that's okay Because it's God doing it, not you. Some people fall down. Some people stand up. Some people do strange things. Some people do normal things. Some people feel nothing. The thing is, you've asked for him. He's yours. I went, okay, that's it. Good. Got it. Got it. We did the dishes. We hung around. we. I then went to my room. I still remember the room. I shut the door. I went in my room sat on my bed, did my usual prayer thing, opened my Bible and suddenly, no joke, I had the physical presence that was more than I could explain. My room actually lit up. It was a dark room and it just glowed. All of a sudden I started praying in a language I've never heard before and I come from a conservative church. I've never heard anybody else do it before and all of a sudden this thing just bubbled up. And from that moment on, why did I have that experience? Because it was for me. It's my experience. It's no one else's. It's God saying, Steve, we're on this together. I want to suggest to you that God wants his Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to engage your life. But it's going to be different. It's going to be different for everyone. Let me hear what it says here. I want to go through. It says in Paul... Um, mentions this in one of his letters to the church in Ephesus. He says this. Ooh, It's up there, is it? Here we go. Do not get drunk on wine. That's a funny thing to say, which leads to debauchery. Hmm. Okay. Why would you start off with that? Because when you're drunk with wine, what? You're under the influence. When you're drunk with wine, you're no longer in control. When you're drunk on wine... It fills you up. You're going to do things that you've never decided to do. It's probably going to be bad. But he says this instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Then he goes on to say Uh-oh. Is that on there? Is that what I put on there? Then he goes on to say, your hearts will overflow with a joyful song to the Lord, Jehovah. Keep speaking to each other with words of Scripture. Sing the Psalms with praise and spontaneous songs given by the Spirit. In other words, let it out. Let it out. The Holy Spirit's going to give you a new song. He wants to give you this sense of excitement that comes up, a joy towards Him. Have you got that? Because that's what the Holy Spirit wants to give you. And out of your reverence, always give thanks to the Father God for every person he brings into your life in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And out of your reverence for Christ, be supportive of each other in love. How do we enter this relationship? You see, it's a relationship that God wants to have with you through the person of the Holy Spirit. And he said, that's what forms the church. You actually start to relate to each other, you start to build each other up, you start to sing songs, you start to have this sense of God's real presence in you. It's not just a heart thing now. This is a significant relationship. You see, the word there for being filled is plero, pe, Pelero. But pelero, 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 pelero. I probably said it wrong. But anyway, it actually means it's like a picture. Because they had words and it meant lots of things. It was a picture of a sailing boat with a big sail up. And the wind filled that sail and it pushed the boat to its destination. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That you would actually have that Feeling That wind of the Spirit would fill your sail of life and give you the direction of life that God's already predestined for you. That's what it means to be filled. But it's also a presence. Is a present. Is a present. It's actually about now. It's not a once only. It's about being filled filled constantly. It's about every day being filled. It's every day making a decision. It's not just a come forward, pray for you, you're done, it's fixed, let's go. It's actually every day be being filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to give you some, some four things that I have seen through Scripture about what does that actually look like? How do I actually do that, Jesus? How do I be being filled with the Holy Spirit? How do I have that wind in my sail of life? Here's some things. First of all, Jesus is about to take off, right? He's about to leave. He's come back to earth. He's risen from the dead. He's hanging around with the guys. And this is what he said to them. He said, on one occasion while he was eating with them, He gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait, wait, wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Wait. Wait. It starts off by waiting. What does he mean? He means stop. Stop trying to be. Stop trying to do, but to wait. We need to learn to wait. We need to learn to say, God, I'm going to stop trying to be the good Christian. I'm actually going to wait. Wait. Stop running around trying to make it all happen. Stop trying to run around and stir up and try and make church and life happen. But first of all, stop and wait. Wait for me. Isaiah 40, it says this, that even young men will go tired and weary, but those who wait upon the Lord will rise up. On wings of eagles. That sounds pretty impossible to me. But if you wait, he will give you the power. He will give you the ability to do the things that you can't do. He will give you the power. He will give you the ability of the job description he's given you. He will give it if we first wait for him. We need to learn to wait. Can I encourage you every day, not just today, every day, find that moment where you just say, God, I'm just going to sit in my Jerusalem I'm going to sit in my Perth. I'm going to sit at my office desk. I'm going to sit in my lounge room, and I'm just going to wait. Just for five minutes. Try it. Five minutes, ten minutes every day. Holy Spirit, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait to be equipped for today. I'm going to be, wait to be filled today. I'm going to wait for my baptism, that immersing, that soaking, that filling. I'm going to wait. We need to learn to wait i think the church has got so busy trying to grow churches that we've forgotten to wait for the holy spirit to do it you know we need to wait right now the spirit of god is saying just wait get rid of those preconceived ideas just get rid of those what you those worries and those concerns just wait here's another thing i learned It's this, if you go a little bit further, it says, you know, Jesus in Luke 11, one of the Gospels, he's there talking to his disciples, he's actually praying at the time, and the disciples said, Jesus, would you, Rabbi Jesus, you know how you you rabbis teach everybody things? Teach us how to pray. So he starts off, well, let me show you how you do this. The Lord, you know, know, um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let me teach you how to do that first of all. So there's lesson number one. And then he says two stories, two significant stories. The last story is this one. He says, you know, let's have a read of it. Luke eleven thirty. It says, if you then, though you are evil, most of you, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit, who to? To those who ask he, and I, I find that really funny because he's saying you know dad's if you're hungry they're going to give you something to eat aren't they but I'm not going to give you something to eat you ask I'll give you more than that I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit I'm going to give you a mate I'm going to give you a relationship I'm going to give you a person that's going to give you everything you need because he's walking in life with you ask. We need to learn to ask. But how do we ask? You see, the story before that, he says, you know, there's this person, he's hungry at night, and he's looking for something, middle of the night, and he goes and knocks on the door of a mate, and his mate says, don't disturb me. But he said, keep on knocking. Keep on knocking. Asking, keep on asking, asking, asking. You see, you don't ask once, you ask twice, three times, you ask every day. Holy Spirit, fill my life. I am waiting, and now I want to ask. You have not because you ask not. You see, the whole concept of Jesus is saying, Ask, Dad. Because he's going to give you the Holy Spirit, but you've got to ask. He's not going to respond unless you ask. Have you asked? You know what stops us from asking? Preconceived ideas, fear, worry. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not. Just ask. Ask your heavenly Father and he will give you Holy Spirit. Wait. First, ask. And here's the other thing. Go a little bit further. And then it says, Mark 11, 24. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, we've just learned how to pray, so you've got to ask, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Wait, ask, believe. Yeah, you've got to believe. See, there's a... The devil wants us to think that, that, well, the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, they've, they've gone in the past. That, that was back there in the days of, of, you know, the disciples were hanging around. It's not there now. We just get on with the job. That's not true. There's a false doctrine that's gone around the church for lots and lots of years. Why? Because the devil knows that if the Holy Spirit it empowers the church, look out, world. Because he's come for the world. He hasn't come for you. But you've got to believe. Do you believe? Or is there a doubt? I'm not good enough. I'm not spiritual. I wish I was like Mark. If I was like Mark, I'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. But I'm not like Mark. I'm not good enough. Because I've got to have a pastor's name above my head or something. Nah. Believe. He died for you. He wants to fill you. He wants your life to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. That was the whole gig. That was the whole story. That's why he came, so that you would be filled with the Spirit of God. Why? Because you're the new temple of the living God. The old temple's gone. You're the new one, so we are got to fill it with his glory. That's his Holy Spirit. That's the plan. You've got to believe it. But to believe it, you've got to position yourself. Anyone watch the cricket? Ah. Oh. <laughs> Ashes, right? They won. Oh, go Aussie. So if you're playing a game of cricket, (laughs) you've got to believe it's a good game to start off with. And then you will notice for them to receive, they have to believe the ball's coming to them. So they have to put themselves in a position to receive the ball even if they're playing some other strange games like rugby or those other strange games. If they're playing, you've got to get yourself in position. The wicketkeeper gets down. His hands are down. He's watching the ball. He's believing that ball's coming to him. The person in slips, the ones on the boundaries, they haven't got their hands in their pockets because they don't believe it's going to come. They've got their hands out. They've got their on their toes. They're ready for that ball. Are you in a position to receive? Yes, Are you in a position to receive the Holy Spirit that wants to come your way? How do you position to believe? A couple of ways. One, don't listen to the enemy. Listen to the words of Scripture that says he died for you and he wants to fill you. But listen to this. Position of belief is hanging around people who believe. Hang around other people that believe. That's why we go to church. That's why we do gatherings. That's why we do life groups or connect groups or whatever groups you call them. We do them because you need to build relationships with others that believe that they can believe for you when you don't believe. So you put yourself in a position to believe. Are you in a position to believe or are our hands in our pockets? Are we wondering what's going to happen? Believe. Wait. Ask. Ask believe because it's yours it's yours for the taking i was uh, a few years ago now i was at a church and we had a young girl that was um, constantly fainting in dangerous places like she'd go up a step and she'd faint she could hurt herself doctors were trying all sorts of things everyone was praying for her weekly people were praying for her got to the stage where nothing was happening so we stopped slowed down the prayer right We slowed down the believing for miracles. We slowed it down until one day I was about to get up to preach and uh, as I went up, just about to get up, I just felt the Holy Spirit prompt me, go pray for her. "Ah, We've done that, we've been there, we've done that. Ah, She's probably over it. Everyone's been doing that. Just go and pray for her. So I went up to her I said, look, do you mind... last song but do you mind if I just pray for you and I did I just didn't do anything weird I just prayed God you told me to pray for this girl I'm praying for her total healing she hasn't fainted since why because I believed more no because I didn't let the unbelief get in the way you see it's not about how much belief I've got it's about what gets in the way of that belief and sometimes it's doubt, sometimes well, we've tried that before, sometimes it's it's what other people have said believe, believe, do it. And here's the final one it says this Acts five thirty-two. And we are his witnesses to these things, the great things that God is doing, and so also is the Holy Spirit. Whom God has given to those who obey him. Those who obey. Last thing is you've got to obey. You've got to listen to those promptings. The more you listen to the promptings, the more you're going to learn what's the voice of the Holy Spirit and what's something that you ate last night. You've got to to actually try You've actually got to move. You've got to do it. Someone gives – quite often I'll be driving to work because I get bored driving to work and a a name will come to my head. I might just ring up so-and-so. You ring them up. Hi, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm glad you rang right now. Who told you that? I don't know. I just got this prompting. You see, the Holy Spirit wants to be with you during the day. He wants to prompt you to do things. He wants you to prompt you to pray for people. He wants you to prompt you just to give to that homeless person on the street. Why do I want to do that? I want you to do it. Just do it. Okay, I'll do it. There goes my lunch money. See, there's a prompting of the Holy Spirit we need to learn to use. Because the more you learn, the more you grow in the things of the Spirit. The more you try, the more you'll grow. If you don't, it'll disappear. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. If you act as though he's not there, he won't be there because you'll never learn to hear him. Wait, ask, believe, and then do it. Obey. I'm going to just finish off with this scripture again. Just take this in. It says here, Do not get drunk with wine which is rebellion. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me pray. Father God, I'm going to pray Holy Spirit right now. We're going to ask. We come in this moment and we wait. And we say we want to receive. Amen.
0: We really hope you got a lot out of this message.